When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Long Acres Finance Channel. Have you ever wondered how correlated earnings are with returns? I have. After searching online for a while and not finding the type of study I was looking for, I decided to test it myself. I've read that there is a correlation between long-term earnings growth and long-term total returns. And naturally, this link makes sense. If a business is growing quickly, you would also assume that the share price is also growing at a similar pace. This trend is probably best observed over a longer period of time, since there are many other factors that can impact short-term returns. To test this correlation, I took a look at a collection of stocks that have appeared on my stock screener results over the past few months, both the high-growth dividend watchlist and the high-yield dividend watchlist. This gave me a list of 174 unique companies that theoretically are all quality businesses, since that is the objective of my stock screener, to identify quality companies. I then went online and looked up the past 5-year earnings per share growth rate for each stock, and the 5-year total return in the form of a compounded annual growth rate. My objective was to see if there was a correlation between faster earnings growth and better total returns. Let me share with you a little context on the data before we dive into the results. The historical earnings growth rates range from negative 6% to positive 62.8%, with the average clocking in at 16.1%. The returns range from negative 11.11% to positive 58.96%, with the average clocking in at 15.81%. It was interesting to see the average earnings growth rate and the average rate of return be relatively close, with just about 30 basis points of difference between them. Here's a plot chart with all of the individual combinations of earnings growth and rates of return. The x-axis, or horizontal measure, is the earnings growth rate, with the y-axis, or vertical measure, being the rate of return. Clearly, we can see all the data points shaping in a pattern that moves from the bottom left of the graph towards the top right. I have included a linear trend line in the chart that resembles the average pattern of the data. This trend line also points to a positive correlation between earnings growth and the rate of return. There are a handful of outliers that fall significantly above or below the trend line. This points to the correlation being evident for a large sample size, but not for every single stock. Okay, so now that we know a positive correlation does exist, let's see if we can quantify it in a meaningful way. The first thing I did was break up this sample size into four quantiles, with the data sorted by earnings growth from highest to lowest. Each quantile was made up of about 43 stocks. The top quantile with the highest earnings growth rate had an average rate of return of 21.49%. The second quantile, that included stocks ranked 44 to 86 based on earnings growth, had an average rate of return of 18.21%. Both average rates of return look very attractive, but the top quantile's average return is 18% better than the return for the second quantile. Moving down to the third quantile, these are the stocks ranked 87 to 129 based on earnings growth. The average rate of return drops to 12.1%, which is a pretty significant drop compared to the second quantile. This rate of return is also lower than the average rate of return for the entire sample of 15.81%. Quantile 2 is 50% better than Quantile 3, which is a considerable improvement in the rate of return. And Quantile 4, that includes the remaining 45 stocks, with the slowest rate of earnings growth, had an average rate of return of 11.65%. So just a little bit worse than Quantile 3. This points to the top half of the sample size being significantly better than the bottom half. To break this data down even further, I decided to look at the top ranked stocks in terms of earnings growth by percentage. The top 10% of stocks, which are the 17 companies with the highest earnings growth, had an average rate of return of 25.98%. The top 20% of stocks, so the 34 highest ranked stocks, had an average rate of return of 22.63%. The top 30% of stocks, so the 52 highest ranked stocks, 
had an average rate of return of 21.55%. As I continued this pattern of including the next 10% of stocks in the sample size, the return continued to fall incrementally all the way down to the sample average of 15.81%. Looking at the data, there are some anomalies to this positive correlation. For example, TC Energy Corporation had the highest earnings growth rate during the last 5 years, but their return of 8.51% is just about half the average return for the entire sample size. American Electric Power also had very strong earnings, placing them in the top quantile, yet their return of 9.91% is way below average. The same outliers can be found on the other end of the dataset as well. For example, Apollo Global Management had negative earnings, yet achieved a 30.17% rate of return. Another example would be Blackstone, that had a below average rate of earnings growth of 7.6%, yet managed to achieve one of the highest rates of return in the dataset of 41.01%. So clearly this positive correlation between earnings growth and rate of return is not absolute, but it does exist when taken on a larger sample size. What this tells me is that if I can accurately predict which companies will grow their earnings faster in the future, on average they are likely to also offer better rates of return. The average rate of return for SPY, the S&P 500 ETF, during the same 5-year window as my little study here was 15.08%. So on average, all 174 stocks in my study performed a little bit better than SPY, offering about 0.73% of alpha per year. But if we were able to accurately narrow in on the top quantile of these stocks and get a rate of return close to 21.49%, we would beat SPY by about 6% per year. That may not sound like much, but it's actually a very strong level of outperformance. Over a 5-year period, this extra 6% per year would compound to about 31% more capital, and 5 years is a relatively short period of time. After 10 years, this level of outperformance would result in about 72% more capital, and almost 200% more capital after 20 years. To me, having 3 times as much money after 20 years sounds pretty appealing. And while all this sounds pretty sweet, the biggest question that I have yet to answer is how we can use this information in any meaningful way. The answer is that we should try to predict future earnings for companies and invest in the most attractive ones. This is obviously easier said than done. Predicting earnings is not easy, and even experts fail to do this with a high level of accuracy. There are several ways we can attempt to predict future earnings growth rates. The easiest way is to look at historical earnings growth and make an assumption as to whether a given business is likely to continue growing at the same rate in the future. We can also rely on the experts. Wall Street analysts predict earnings for the vast majority of stocks. And these forecasts are available on many websites online. These forecasts can range from just the next quarter to many years out in the future. The further out in the future you try to predict, the higher the level of uncertainty will be. What I like to do is take the analyst earnings forecast for the next 5 years. And I'll use a source like Finviz that collects forecasts from multiple analysts and averages them out into one combined forecast. This way you can eliminate some of the outliers, the really optimistic analysts and the really pessimistic ones as well. Additionally, I also discount these forecasts to build in a little margin of safety. For example, if analysts are forecasting earnings to grow at 10% over the next 5 years for a given stock, I will use a 7.5% assumption. Because if the analyst forecast proves to be too optimistic, I have a little cushion in my calculation. And if the analysts are in fact accurate, the stock might perform better than I anticipated, which is perfectly fine with me. Let's say we are able to come up with a list of stocks that are all poised for attractive earnings growth in the near future. Is this alone a good measure to use as a driver for investing decisions? I don't think so. Something that was not factored into my analysis is how attractive we valued the stocks in my dataset were 5 years ago. Perhaps a handful of these stocks were trading at more attractive prices and a big part of the return during the last 5 years was driven by the valuation rather than earnings growth. I could go back and try to determine a fair value for each of the 174 companies, to include this factor in my analysis, but this would be a very time-consuming process. If I wanted to use dividend yield theory, which is one of my favorite quick valuation methods, I would need to compute the historical yield for all 174 companies, and then determine whether they each had consistent dividend growth to justify using this theory as a valuation technique. Perhaps I'll do that one day. 
If I do, I'll certainly share the results with you here. Personally, I think valuation plays a big role in future rates of return. And buying quality companies that are attractively valued is the optimal path to long-term success for dividend investors. I believe in this process so strongly that I have adapted my own personal investing strategy to focus on these principles. I look for quality companies trading for attractive prices. And I predict future returns based on the combination of forecasted earnings growth and the current valuation. This process has worked out well for me, and I believe it will continue yielding positive results for years to come. That's it for today. If you enjoyed the video, please give it a like and subscribe to the channel for more content. Thank you and see you next time.